The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hello. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Dr. Stephen Farmer, psychotherapist, shamanic practitioner, author, and teacher, and I'll be exploring with you ways to connect with spirit animals, ancestors, spirits of nature, how to heal from trauma, and many other topics. So stay tuned. Hello again, this is Dr. Stephen Farmer, and welcome to uh, Healing for Your Soul with Dr. Stephen Farmer, that's me. And uh, I have a guest today, and a guest that uh, we met um, just a little while ago, actually met online. Uh, I was a guest on her podcast, and now uh, she's returning the favor. This is Kate Nelligan. Uh, You get a chance to meet Kate today and find out more about her, and then you can investigate a little bit more. I'll give you the website information. Uh, She is an equine, if I'm saying that right, equine partnered life business coach, offering leadership training through the power of horses and goats. (laughs) Katie left her uh, vice president corporate marketing role at a movie studio to, to pursue her passion for the human-animal bond and leads private equine coaching sessions and team buildings at ranches around the country and is based near Boulder, Colorado. I think in Longmont, I think is what you said, Kate. Uh, She is also a published author uh, with five books and a TEDx speaker. Her website, and please do take this down if you're interested, uh, you'll find a little bit more today and I'll announce it again. Uh, katenelligan.com, K-A-T-E-N-E-L-I-G-A-N, only one L in the name, Kate Nelligan. So, Kate, there you are. Um, although the listeners can't really see you, uh, I can see you, you can see me, etc. cetera. Uh, I want to welcome you to the program. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited. Oh gosh, I'm not sure where to start. I, I've been uh, I when we talked before, I mentioned a book that I came across and also met the fellow, the author, Wyatt Webb. It's not about the horse, and I've always loved that title and and heard him talk about that in working with people with horses, and the horses are so sensitive. Now, tell me if I'm getting this right. They're so sensitive, you can tell what's going on with the individual by the behavior and what you pick up intuitively from the horse. Is that correct? Is that a fair assessment? It is. Some people will even call them large biofeedback machines, but they are certainly sentient beings. And I think of them more as spiritual teachers. But yes, they 
are incredibly sensitive because they have huge guts, they have hearts five times the size of ours, and they've co-evolved with us and been our partners for so long in our history that they've really learned how to read us very well. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it'd be fascinating. I'd have to participate in a session one of these days. I think that would be uh, fascinating, you know, to experience it. Um, how did you evolve into doing this work? You said you were uh, in the corporate world and you took a leap at some point. Yeah, I did. So I've loved horses my whole life. I rode as a kid and I went to college and I competed in college. And then I took a little bit of time off. And when I rediscovered them, I basically was leasing a horse at a ranch where they were doing therapy with addicts in recovery and rehab. And in two hours, I was seeing massive change and transformation with these individuals who weren't very much in their body, weren't very hopeful. And then the horses would come and you know, it's all groundwork exercises. They would put their heads up to someone's heart or they would breathe with them and people would start to feel connected again to something larger than themselves and they would leave with more hope. And I said, this is so cool. I need to do this for um, for my, my life, for my living and left <laughs> a studio. And, you know, now I work for the horses, so. Oh my goodness, yeah. And how long have you been doing this then? When'd you take the leap? Yeah, so I knew I wanted to leave in 2011, and I left early 2012 from the movie studio world. I've been back to corporate once since then, um, but I pretty much, in vet medicine actually, but I pretty much have been doing the horses since, personally, I did them for about a year myself, and I was in the mentorship, and I really learned a lot. And then it was right around 2014 when a horse passed that I loved, that kind of got me back into everything with horses, that's when I committed to doing it. So it's been eight years. Have you always been intuitive? I think so. When I was a kid, I know I saw ghosts and I know I heard like in fourth grade, my mom was like a little concerned because I was hearing voices. And I think it was just, I was hearing intuition and guides and they didn't know, they thought maybe I was just really stressed at school because we had hard teachers that year. But I, I think I've always definitely been very intuitive. I know I've always been highly sensitive and empathic, but I didn't have like the words for that. So like I drank a lot in college because I couldn't handle as much of like the sensory stimulation and, and just all of the stuff I was feeling. I didn't have any mentors or roadmaps for empathy and highly sensitivity. So, and now I do. And so it's much easier. <laughs> so oh, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've heard that sort of that story, you know, from a few different people. And I, I think it's somewhat sad, you know, that there isn't an, an acceptance or a mentorship or some kind of coaching or teaching for children that, uh, walk up to their mom or dad and say, I'm hearing voices again, you know, and they, oh, okay, well, let's put you on medication, <laughs> which is what you said you did in college. You medicated yourself, you know, yeah. to kind of bypass all that. Um, I think that we're coming into an era now where perhaps more and more parents will be willing to nurture that gift because it really is a gift, even though it may seem like a curse at times, so it really is a gift to be able to hear the guides at that time, you didn't know what what was going on. You know, it was a big mystery. So how did that resolve for you? Yeah, it's a great question. I feel to a large extent, I went through a bad breakup after college. And I really, 
kind of hated how I treated him and who I was at the time and did go get therapy. And that for me was when I read Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life. And I remember reading it and going, wait, personal responsibility? That was a game changer for me to just know that like I could take responsibility for a lot of the things that were going on and I could change them. And I remember like I brought it to my therapist's office and the time and was like, this, I can heal my relationship with my dad. I can heal anything. And like I, that book was just a total game changer. And I was an atheist because I like couldn't grasp like a lot of, I loved, I always loved past lives. I was fascinated by them and parapsychology, but I was not able to process all of like the God stuff and the religion stuff. Uh, so, you know, what happened then as I slowly started to become more open again, I, I was really into personal development. I studied with everyone and that's what changed it, started to change it for me. And then found, found spirituality and found my master's program in spiritual psychology. And that was like a two year deep permission of getting in touch with your intuition, exploring okay. it and, fi- and making it your best friend. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you work with a pretty, quite a vast variety of people, including groups and corporations, et cetera, as well as individual. Is that correct? So I have to know how to meet them where they're at, which is that, you know, not everyone is open to all of, you know, I don't love calling it woo woo, but like the spiritual conversation, so to speak. So I have to talk about my, you know, we'll talk about mindfulness. We'll talk about breath or slowing down. So it it is, I mean, I get a lot of very open spiritual women and people about to have a spiritual awakening. And I love that because I can like cross them across that bridge of tools and things that they're going to potentially experience. But there are a lot of people I get in that are from corporate that are just starting to consider, you know, emotional intelligence and leadership qualities that are more heart centered. So I love working with them too, because everyone needs that support. Yeah, I would. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I think again, we're in an era right now where it's time to wake up. You know, if you're getting the call, it's uh, fortunate that we have people like you that uh, they can turn to, especially so fascinating to work with horses. What do you get from this way of working? What, what's the reward for you? I mean, my favorite two things is I love watching transformation in the human. So I love someone who like my own story, egocentric to soul centric, right? Or disempowered victim to empowered creator. Like I love watching people's transformation. And then the thing that I that that I also love the most is watching the horses work because they're doing energy work. Like they are literally changing people's physical, mental, and emotional states by doing stuff with their noses, by aligning chakras, like the horses are doing the coolest energy work on the planet, in my experience, and I've been to a lot of healers. And so I just love watching them work. Like I get so excited. It's so beautiful to just witness them being of service. It's certainly what you're meant to do here. Yeah, (laughs) clearly. And uh, you're in Longmont, correct? Which is just Next, yeah. door to, next door to Boulder, basically. Long, Longmont, Colorado. I have to say that slowly. Longmont, Longmont. Colorado. Yeah. And you have your, uh, as I understand, if I recall, you, you live with your husband on a ranch, correct? And you have. 
I live about 50 minutes away from the ranch. And so my two horses are there boarded and my four goats are there. And there's a family that lives on the ranch itself. But my dream is to find my own place for sure. Right. <laughs> have my animals in my backyard. Yeah. yeah. You're right next door then 15 minutes away. Okay. What you slipped in there was goats. Yes. What's <laughs> about goats? So I have four Nigerian dwarf goats. I found goat. Like I've, I'm a Capricorn, so I've like loved the whole goat thing anyways, <laughs> drawn to it. Yes. So there's a lot in their symbology I've always loved. Um, but then in Los Angeles, before I moved to Colorado, there was a woman doing goat yoga. She started the goat yoga groups there. And she, I went to a sound bath with goats and I was smiling for like three hours afterwards. And I'm like, I want everyone to have this experience where like their jaws hurting from smiling so much because the goats were are so joyful and playful. And so I did goat therapy stuff with her. We did like, it was really more play therapy. We were like going over jumps with goats, doing goat hikes, goat meditations, all of that. So when I moved to Colorado, I set the intention to find a ranch with goats. And I went to what was called the mother ranch and it was, um, goat yoga, uh, no longer there, but, and they were breeding goats for people who wanted them to have as loving, you know, for loving homes. And so I've like had my babies there since they were born and watched them be raised. And it's just been such a cool experience. And yeah. They're just so much fun. <laughs> so. Uh, you would never think it. I, I have heard of goat yoga, and I suspect some of the listeners have also heard of that. Saw a video of it, and it, it was it was just, like you said, I'm even smiling now as I remember that, how the goats would work with the people in yoga. You never think the juxtaposition of goats and yoga would really work. But right. obviously, from your experience and also the what I observed in the video, it's like, wow. That's amazing. I don't think we have anything like that here in Southern California. But yeah, uh, it's so fun because they do interact with people. They're a lot like dogs. They're very loving and they teach some of the basic emotional intelligence skills like courage because they really do goat for it. We call it goating for it. <laughs> and then they teach friendliness and playfulness. They teach um uh, like the the joy and the playfulness of just being and people I think need that especially after everything we've been through you know recently in society it's really important to have that balance of just youthfulness awe wonder and play yeah what what's what are some of the differences though working with uh, horses and goats or one-to-one -one? anything yeah, I find that a lot of people, I love that they come and we first start with the goats, so they kind of get lower to the ground. So they immediately can potentially invoke that inner child state and they're petting, you know, and the Human Animal Bond Research Institute shows if you're like petting an animal for five minutes, you're, you know, reducing cortisol, your heart rate is changing. So people get into this immediately out of their comfort zone because they're petting a goat, you know, joy because they're smiling and they're cuddling a goat that younger humbled state because they're down at eye level and they're they're usually in awe. They're like, look at these eyes or this goat's so friendly or this goat just gave me a hug. So they're more in their bodies and they're more in their hearts. And then we go to the horses and you've got, right, huge beings, 1,200 pounds that some people can feel intimidated by, but now they're more grounded. Now they're more connected. So, so there's, like, yeah. Yeah, goats first and then the horse. Yeah. And they do. They just teach different things based on their size and just who they are as a species. So, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned uh, a couple of the stories when you were first uh, witnessing this and introduced to this, that the animal would actually read 
the human and respond accordingly. Like, excuse my throat, my froggy throat. Um, that, uh, one horse came up to you and put his head on your chest. Like you need that was a reading that the person needed some heart medicine, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. People feel really seen and loved by the horses. Their eyes are huge. So even just doing some soul gazing into their eyes, people can get very emotional. The horses have a way of like surfacing stuck emotion very easily. Um, It bypasses the mind. And so it's an emotional experience to be with them. They will often put their head near or on people's body parts to move energy or to connect, help them connect. Um, we also do more like traditional exercises where you can, you know, I'll give someone a halter and if they've never haltered a horse before and they have to do it, it's not an easy thing to do. And so they have to go through like, how do I talk to myself when I'm doing something new? Right. Or how do I immediately just ask for help? Do I say, hey, you do it? Do I get frustrated with myself? Right. So it's based on the premise of how you do one thing is how you might do anything. So when you go to even greet a horse, do you get a hello or is there not a hello? And then does that bring up a conversation around rejection or worth? So it's all just amazing, immediate, somewhat mirroring and reflecting behavior of what the horse is showing us, myself as a facilitator and the client, what is working and what's not working. And you had an experience with a donkey. Yes, I love the donkeys, as you know. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So the animals book that you are the leader of, which is such an incredible compilation collaboration book. I have a story on there called The Healing Power of Donkeys. And there's been like three donkeys that have really impacted me. Um, But one was at this ranch in Colorado where you were leading the workshops and I just was processing so much grief. And that donkey literally put its whole neck and head around me and just hugged me. And I was able to just literally sob my eyes out to get rid of a huge layer of grief that I think I was holding on to. So I know I was holding on to. So, yeah, Um, it's not uh, even close to being the same, but um, here I have a couple of dogs and cats. We got a few animals, Uh, eight year old yellow lab and a two year old uh, called a silver lab, gray lab, but we'll call him silver. It sounds like a little fancier. But the uh, yellow lab, Samson, is, uh, I call him my therapy dog. And uh, on occasion, when clients come to my office, which is here in my house, my home, uh, he'll join us. You know, there's a couple of people that um, have really taken to Samson, you know, and if he's not here, they'll go, where's Samson? You know, so I'll go and round him up and bring him in. But uh, the most telling was a client. I was working with a family and I saw the uh, 14-year-old girl. She was 14 at the time. And she came in, sat down, and immediately just started crying. You know, just sobbing, like crying. Samson was here. He had been laying down right at the couch next next to her. And he got up and went over, put his head right up against her, just sort of like the horses. And she started petting him, and it, it was very soothing. And you mentioned even the physiological effects of something like that. And so he's invited to come in anytime a client wants, you know, and he'll behave himself. You know, he's very uh, easy to deal with and just sweet and sensitive. It's really an interesting phenomenon. The gray one is uh, the gray uh, 
Scout the Gray isn't quite there. He's a sweetheart, but he's not ready for that sort of work, I guess you would say. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, I relate to what you're saying about that, that um, animals, uh, you mentioned that in a way, you said the human-animal bond has always been fascinating to you across the board, not just with horses and goats, right. but across the board. So I bring that up just as like, people, go play with your dog, yeah. you know, pet your dog, you know, if you can't get to the horse or contact Kate, um, have an animal, a cat. Uh, I mean, I just, there's a few animal stories. I won't go, don't need to go into a lot of stories here, but even my brother uh, who died some years ago, uh, his cat would come up on his chest, his cat, because they had one, she had one, his wife, and he had one that was specifically attached to each one of them. And uh, the couple of days before he passed, the cat would come up and lay on his chest and purr. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sure uh, the, the listeners have stories like that too to share. Yeah. So what's the best way to contact you? Is it through email or go to the website or? Yeah, probably there's a form on my website, katenelligan.com, but there's also, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Kate Nelligan Equine Coach, and have a Facebook group called Awakening with Equines. And um, But yes, yeah, so you can definitely find my contact info on the website. And um, yeah, it's just, I love watching the animals work, all of them. As you said, they're really powerful healers, and I, I want people to see that more. Um, I want them to to experience them as more than than just pets, like that they really are here to do some powerful work as well for us and with us. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I totally agree with you, of course, you know, just like we swapped a couple of stories there. But was there a you mentioned Louise's book, Louise Hay, which I, I want to say thank you, Louise, you know, every time I hear about her work, because uh, she's had a profound impact. Uh, the uh, Hay House publications, etc. Uh, really supporting uh, this awakening process that so many people are called to and drawn to. So uh, I want to honor her, you know, thank you, Louise, you know, for what you've contributed here. What is one of the most significant experiences you've had with either a horse or a goat. I'm sure you have lots of stories, but what's let's move past the donkeys here. <sighs> I think the one that's been really neat with my goat. I mean, when I lost my cat last year, I was grieving quite a bit under this tree and this one goat, the rest of them were eating and Gigi, the grandma goat would just stay with me and just sit with me and just look me in the eye and just let me know, like, it's okay. I'm going to be okay. Like she was that like nurturer that like really was like a grief support. Um, and then on the kind of flip side, a couple of weeks later, my other goat Nettle, I was sitting on this like tree stump and she just came up and she kind of put her, her body behind my back and it was like Kundalini. I literally started to feel energy the way if you were to do Kundalini yoga, just like 
flow up and down my body and my spine. And I started to get really, really blissed out. Like I, I knew I was in a 5D reality. I was no longer really fully in my body, but I was aware of my body. But it was, you know, I have not done psychedelics, but I'd imagine it would be something along that line where you're just transported to another world and to another space that's deeply healing and very, like it was like I got new vibrations that were coming in through that experience. And all she was doing was just being really present and pressing into my back. And I could feel it. And I knew it was her energy. It was like it was coming through her for me. And it was the coolest thing. And so I just think my goats are pretty pure because they were born on the ranch and they haven't been through much, you know, really like some, a lot of horses have been through some trauma, but you know, they are just, they're just that energy that I was ready to receive in that day. And I felt so great. <laughs> I've tried to replicate it and sometimes it works. It get, I can get there, but that day it just stayed for so long. It was really powerful. So. Well, I think that we, you know, we're uh, with, um, how do I want to say this? Just, that connection of soul to soul or being to being, you know, it's something I think that was largely lost along the way for many of us here in Western culture and Western civilization, society, etc. And I would uh, commend you for heeding the call and jumping off the edge, you know, into the work that you're doing now. And obviously it's been very successful since 2011, uh, having taken that step that, there, there's such a pure presence to the animal, no matter goat, horse, whatever, that it brings us into a much more pure state of presence. You know, we don't live there a lot. <laughs> I'm generalizing, but we don't live there a lot. It's easy to get distracted with everything that's going on in the world. You know, it's ah, stop reading the news, Stephen. Stop reading the news, people. You know, take a news fast or something like that. And there are other practices as well, but that bring us into the, the true presence. But I think it's difficult to do. Yeah. So I, I can see how working with horse or horses, goats, etc. obviously from that experience, and thank you for that, it has the um, opportunity to bring you into full presence. That's where nothing else exists but this moment here. And wow, what a valuable uh, contribution you're making to so many people's lives. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do. I struggle with being present for so long when I was younger. So I just would love helping people with it as much as possible. And to me, the easiest way is sitting on the ground and being outside in nature and being with the animals. You know, it really is. It's the easiest way. And, and the, yeah sometimes the fastest and I needed a lot of grounding most of my life. And so I'm grateful to give it to people when they're seeking it. Yeah. Did you have pets growing up? Oh yeah. Like I, my first word was cat. I was obsessed. I begged my parents for seven years to get me a cat. My like second grade teacher knew I was so obsessed. So she went and bought stickers that were just cat stickers for my papers and no one else got cat stickers. I like came in just obsessed with, I think with animals, when I was little, I didn't really like people is what I was told. Like, I just wanted to be with animals. Like, that was it for me. And I learned to love people, honestly, through the horses. The horses are like, 
the way they love people has helped me. Like my goal is sometimes is to eventually love everyone as, and myself as much as I love the horses because it's at such a high level. But um, yeah, it, <laughs> it was the kid that just wanted to be with animals all the time. And I wanted to be a vet and all of that. So I'm glad I found something I could do. That's not yeah. vet medicine. Right. But still works. Yeah. yeah my uh, mother-in-law lives with us and she is, Total about, uh, totally about animals. You know, she used to march in uh, protest and was a real activist, you know, for some years, I guess, this story goes. Um, and she'll, um, what would happen yesterday? Something happened. Oh, one of the cats, we try to keep them in after like three o'clock uh, because there's coyotes around here and all that. So this, this is a big strategy that we have to, we incorporated with that. And uh, one of them, the yellow cat, who's just a great cat, you know, Simba, um, orange, 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 white cat, uh, has a habit of, uh, sitting under my couch, you know, and looking for an opening, you know, if the door opens. So I have to be very vigilant. It's just real funny. So I was feeling some tension and pressure and some, a lot was going on yesterday. And I thought he, he, he actually, I thought he got out. And I went, oh, Simba, you know, nah, nah. I won't even, I can't even say it here. <laughs> and she heard it and she got really upset with me. And so we talked later. I said, I was just bitching and moaning, you know, don't take it too seriously. I love the cat. Obviously, I really care for this, both kitties, but uh, Simba's uh, a little more dear to my heart for whatever reason. And uh, uh, the other cat is more Jessica's, my wife's. So, um, I talked about it. I said, look, I was just, don't, don't take it too seriously. You know, you know that I love him. You know, I wouldn't be caring for him and watching for him, et cetera, to get out. I don't want him to get out. Uh, but she said, yeah, I just, uh, I get more upset with how people treat animals than I do with how people treat other people. <laughs> yeah. That's a, a true love of animals. So maybe it's harder to extend to humans sometimes. I think a lot of the people I know are like that. I attract a lot of vegans. I attract a lot of like people who do, they just, they care so much. And they, some of them are like, I only want to go to people who really honor the horses. And I'm like, my mission with inside of the equine assisted learning world is to help people honor the animals more, which is that, you know, we need to listen, give them choice. They can't work 24 seven, you know, they need to be feeling healthy and good to do this work. And um, they don't have to do, I, I feel like, you know, we put a lot of roles on animals, especially horses, of what they should do and have to do for us. But I want to change the conversation and really have people talk about them as partners and equals. And yeah, it's, um, it is, we do, those of us who love them, we do, we want to protect them because it's not always, you know, easy for them to protect themselves, right? We've, we've often been the dominant species as humans, so uh, I, I have a favorite word of uh, probably the century, actually, but less, definitely the last several years of that there's a conscious collaboration, you know, even like with spirit guides, you know, do I call on them? Do they call on me? I think it's something more that the best word I've been able to come up with is a collaboration. And I think that's applicable, definitely applicable to the work that you're doing is that you're or, or any of this, you know, is that we're entering into um, typically not consciously, but we want to bring it to a place of consciousness or conscious awareness, but there's a collaborative process. You know, something's going on. I look at Samson when we're out for the walk, he looks at me and I go, oh, you want to cross? You know, just that 
connection that takes place there. Yeah. So um, I think that, it, anyway, it's just a word, but it's a powerful word. It's collaboration. It's a different paradigm to think of that we're really collaborating with the animals. Yeah. Does that make I sense? Love, I love it. I think it's such a beautiful lens and word and so smart yeah it's so fun like and you just never know when they're going to show up like i was doing a virtual session last night with a client and she was at at one point she goes is that a frog in the background i'm like i think so and she's like can you go look it up for me so i go pull out your book at the pocket guide and i i knew already that frogs had to do with abundance right i just i knew that but i knew there was other meanings so i wanted to go read her your your page on it um and what's so funny is we were doing a session on money like we were helping her get a promotion at work or go for what she really wants and i'm like well frog is with you right now frog is supporting you and telling you also to sing like use your voice and ask for this ask for this because you were promised it so it's important to you know yeah so it's just fun they do they collaborate with us all the time i think if we stay open so yeah and that's the qualifiers if we as long as we stay open yeah hey uh, do you work you mentioned this a little bit earlier do you work with uh horses or or goats even but particularly horses that have been traumatized do you ever yeah so we have two right now at the ranch that are rescues they're not my horses but i've been helping with them and i've i was at a rescue i was working at a rescue for three years um where i had my horse in los angeles and so i definitely have some horses are not ready to do this work if they're still in a lot of their own trauma like they need to heal first and then some of them when they're healthier, they actually love doing this because it's like a form of giving back, right? Like a human has rescued them, saved them, got them healthy. And now they're like, let me go do that with the human. And it can be really a beautiful exchange. Um, But I think it's knowing what level of the horse is at in terms of their trauma. Like I don't, I don't want to work with a shutdown horse because you're also not going to get much great sensitivities of reading people's energy with that either. Um, And the horse is in its own journey and healing path. Um, luckily, knock on wood, I haven't met any traumatized goats. I hope I don't have to meet them. <laughs> um, but with horses, it's common, unfortunately, in the, the whole rescue world as well. But it's a, it's a great second chapter for a horse so that they don't have to go to a kill lot, right? So that you don't have to just say, oh, well, I can't ride my horse anymore. I'm going to throw my horse away, which people do, which just blows my mind. But this is a great way. The horses aren't ridden. They can be in equine therapy, equine learning with just be on the ground. So it's a good chapter for them. Interesting. You said uh, you can't work or you don't work with a horse that's shut down, which means I'm assuming they were severely traumatized. Yeah, one of the coping mechanisms for horses is that like shut down numb, like kind of submissive energy where they're like, okay, whatever the human says, I just want to like stay, it's a self-protection, right? Where they're just like, whatever the human says, I'm just going to do it. But then how do you really know if you're interacting with a client, if the client is successful with their emotional intelligence and leadership skills, if the horse is always just saying yes, right? You want a horse that's going to engage and say yes, no, and maybe the way a human would. So, you know, um, there are horses though that I've seen that are shut down. Like we've had these rescues at the ranch and it's amazing to see them turn around. You can see it in their eyes. We have a horse that wouldn't let her touch her for the last two months. And now she's like coming up and seeking touch from Mm -hmm. humans. Like it's beautiful to see again, transformation. I love watching it. So. 
Uh, it's the same with humans, you know, well, any animal actually is um, that whole deal about um, in, in being traumatized, the instinctual aspect to us or any animal is to escape that, get out of there. And then if there's no escape, <laughs> which unfortunately is, is uh, too frequent, uh, and they try to run or get away from it, or they may become aggressive, you know, as a way, means to do it. But again, if you're neither one works, that's the collapse or the shutdown, like you talked. And I think we all have experienced humans too, that have gone through tremendous trauma and the various uh, manifestations of that. I mean, I work with a lot of that too, so with the, the human animal <laughs> and it's so fascinating, you know, how being traumatized in that way, leads to that collapse, that depression, that dissociation. I could say more on that, but the point being is what you're saying, what you've described is that when you recognize that a horse is shut down, that quite often you be, you're be, you will be able to nurture them back into making contact. And what a joy to see that, like you described, you know, after a couple of months and they come up to you, that's got to be rewarding for you. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing to see how they change. And the thing with animals that I've seen, because I do a decent amount of animal communication and um, healing work on animals as well, is that truly like they re receive so beautifully. Like I've talked to some human healers and they're like, oh gosh, the animals sometimes just are easier because they receive, they don't have a block. They don't have this like, oh, I'm not, I'm not ready to heal that or look at that. The ego doesn't come in and say, nope, stay small. Or it's like you just, the animals are like, oh, thank you. I needed to move that piece. And, you know, for me, it's like, it can be little stuff. Like even my horse, like her, one of her trainers is just a little harsh. So now like she either fights and kicks out if she doesn't like something, which isn't really great, or she, she can shut down. And so it's like, I'm trying to make training fun for her. Like, how is there a win? How is this learning? How can you enjoy this? How can we both have fun? Right. How can it be about communication? So I learned positive reinforcement and literally clicker training. So she gets a treat when and she loves it and she's come out of her shell and she seeks it. And so it's like it's so fun when you can try new things with animals and do either the, you know, listen to them, do the healing work and then have, give them like proper nutrition and proper emotional um, support that they can truly transform. And it, it is the same with humans. I just, I do more of it with the horse side sometimes. So, no, of course. yeah. yeah, of course. yeah. Um, and you travel, is that correct for your work? Yeah, I'm actually headed to Los Angeles soon. And there's, um, there, you know, I'm there somewhat frequently. Um, and then I work out of different ranches around the country, the United States right now. Um, and I love doing that too. So. You love your work. Yeah, people put together workshops, you know, and they host me or I'll go and I'll do a bunch of privates with people that I know are in a certain area. Um, but I do. I could do it. All. I laugh when someone asks me, like, are you still working with horses? And I'm like, until the day I die. <laughs> like, there's that's yeah, like that's not when you find your calling. It's like, yeah. And, and I do a lot of coaching without the horses, but my preference is definitely I just think it's deeper when we do it with the horses. But, you know, it's still it's about service. So. so in addition, you do life coaching. Yeah. With, with yeah. people. Exactly. Yeah. The, the human animal. Yes. The human yeah. animal, which is fascinating in all of its story yeah, it, making. <laughs> uh, 
true. It's so true. You know, and I think that's something that we forget too, is that we are um, instinctual beings. You know, we are, as somebody once said, we're in monkey bodies, you know, basically. And since we apparently evolved from the great apes and we are considered to be part of the great apes, uh, it makes sense that we would have similar kinds of, shall we say, issues. I don't like that word particularly, but just similar kind of things that we have to work on, you know, in our awakening process. The other thing you mentioned, and I like what you said, is calling, because I really believe we are called by spirit in some way, whatever the form or the formlessness of spirit, to be called to do this work. And often it's uh, like I, th I think of uh, uh, the wounds that a lot of healers have suffered, you know, for whatever reason, you know, from moderate to very intense, that sometimes that is actually in a weird way a gift because it forces us, you know, to do the healing ourselves and then move forward in, in our calling, as you put it. Yeah. That's well, well said. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Kate, uh, we have to close here in just a little bit, but again, I want to get the information out about how can people, how people can contact you. I'll reiterate your website, K A T E. N-E-L-I-G-A-N.com, katenelligan.com. And are there other ways to reach you? Yeah, people can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Kate Nelligan Equine Coach. You can see photos of all the horses and the goats there and all their antics. Um, and then I'm on YouTube and also Facebook. It's also Kate Nelligan Equine Coach. And then we run our group, Awakening with Equines, which is for horse lovers as well. Yeah, what's the group? What's... Awakening with equines was, it's about basically those of us who are more inclined to the spiritual lens around horses and that are understanding that horses are part of the awakening process with us right now on the planet. So that's what it's called, Awakening with Equines. And I also, for those wanting to start equine coaching as a, as a calling or really drawn to it, there's choice out there for certification, but I am certifying people now as well. It's a six-month program and people can... Um, reach out and learn more about that. That will start up again. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, uh, bless you. And thank, thank you, you for, so much. Well, thank, thank <laughs> you. And uh, it's been a pleasure and it's a pleasure to get to know you and uh, your work. Yeah. And one you. of these days, you know, I have friends up in that area. So one of these days I'll contact you and come out and do a session with you. Yeah. I hope, I hope. I'll keep my fingers crossed. Anyway. I hope so too. That would be great. All right, Kate. Thank you and farewell. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me, and I hope you join me for future episodes where I'll share some powerful healing practices and meditations, introduce you to some amazing guests and friends of mine who will stop by for some conversation, and on occasion, I'll pull some oracle cards from one of my decks and do readings. I'll also share some of my original music that I'm sure you'll enjoy. If you like what I'm doing, please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to my show page on mindbodyspirit.fm where you can also get the free mobile app to listen to any of my shows or find some new favorites. If you'd like to contact me with questions, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram or send an email to info at drstephenfarmer.com. 
You can also find lots of material on that website, drstephenfarmer.com, so please feel free to explore. Please also know that by sending a question, you're giving me permission to possibly use it in a future podcast so others may benefit from it. And to close, I'd leave you with the four most important words to take with you. Gratitude, love, compassion, and forgiveness. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.